0: hey everyone it's ron johnson and this is the ron johnson show on locked on sports minnesota got a loaded show today eric murray former gophers defensive back now with the houston texans we'll do that coming up next on the ron johnson show
1: locked on sports minnesota podcast. it's endless minnesota vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts now the ron johnson show on the field in the broadcast booth ron johnson is minnesota sports he's played with them hung out with them and grown up with all the big names in minnesota sports they're hanging out with ron johnson it's the ron johnson show on the locked on sports minnesota podcast and it starts now
0: Hey, everyone, this is Ron Johnson, and this is the Ron Johnson show on Locked On Sports Minnesota. Remember, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Just go to fanduel.com backslash locked on to make every moment more and get started today. Again, you got a bunch of playoff parlays coming up. You don't want to miss out on that easy money on fanduel.com. Well, we are going to talk today about the NFL running back cornerback situation. A lot of people are saying don't draft a running back in the first round. It doesn't matter. Drafting a cornerback in the first round for the Minnesota Vikings, you have to do it. I'm going to give you some quick reasons why the Vikings don't need to draft a cornerback in the first round. I was I was all for it, but now I'm starting to look at the analytics have a little different mindset, but remember, you can also download Locked On Sports Minnesota's app on Amazon Fire and Roku. Just go to your Amazon Fire and Roku device, search Locked On Sports Minnesota, and you can download it right there to your TV. And as I bring my producer to the show, Sam Ekstrom, uh, we're going to jump into this really quick before we get Eric Murray on the show. Sam. I sent you something earlier I saw from Bill Barnwell on ESPN and it's premium players on rosters and premium players on rosters um, that actually made the playoffs. And so there's the key because the goal if you're a coach in the NFL is to make the playoffs if you're an owner if you're a GM. And I'm not going to go through this all because there's a lot. There's quarterback, running back, receiver. And then it also breaks down, like, how many years did they sign as a free agent? Uh, Was it a one-year deal or a two-plus-year deal? Was it a big trade, meaning was this a big-time trade? Uh, Or was it a little trade because there's some big-time trades in here with quarterbacks? There's some little trades in here with tight ends. Uh, Draft round one, uh, draft round two through four, and then draft round five, plus in undrafted free agents i'm gonna be honest five plus plus in free agents it's a small number compared to the draft two to four we kind of knew that um but a lot of times uh people just say like oh you know because like brock purdy of course um which is weird though they have undrafted uh oh no he was drafted and but he was drafted in five plus i don't know why brock purdy is not on here because it says none drafted in rounds five plus so that's where bill barnwell clearly screwed up or unless they're not considering him the starting quarterback because he didn't start the season hmm. i don't know about that one because brock purdy yeah. i like i call i call bs here um but when you look at this uh the reason for cornerback and i and i brought this up sam the Vikings only have five draft picks right now. They're draft to 23rd. Uh, when you do some mocks, you could have anybody from uh, Joy Porter Jr. to Cam Smith at South Carolina, which I'm fine with. Deontay Banks out of Maryland, I like him too. Uh, Keely Ringo out of Georgia. And then you also ha- – or sorry, Kelly Ringo out of Georgia. And then you also have Emmanuel Forbes out of Mississippi State, 6'1", still like him. Uh, Eli Ricks, Julius Brent, 6'2", and 6'3", out of Alabama. I, lo- I love Alabama players sometimes because – We know that maybe they're not the top guy on that team, but they would be the top guy on a lot of other teams. Uh, And and that seems to, to, to be like apparent when you start to look at some of these Alabama players starting to hit the league. You're like, man, it's like Nick Saban has them well coached. And so when you look at corner, there's only four cornerbacks that were on rosters drafted in round one that made the playoffs. But in rounds two through four, there were 11 cornerbacks on NFL rosters. Now, it doesn't say if they were starters or whatever, so there could be some second-round, fourth-round picks that don't even play, but they're just on the roster. But again, and so that's why I go with Kelly Ringo out of Georgia, 35 right now ranked as far as overall ranking. You look at uh, Eli Ricks out of Alabama, 52, so that's a second-round pick. Now, the Vikings don't have a second-round pick. Of course, we know that. And so my thought, and then I'll let you kind of say what you think, I, I really believe now I'm, I'm a fan of the trade back. Like people hate it. People are like, everybody's like, oh, if they trade back out of the first round. And I've been sitting here at this draft party all day. I'm going to be pissed off. I'm going to be so mad. And I'm it's Rick Spielman's ghost. And Like it, it makes sense. You only have five draft picks. If you need to fill up at least 10 to 12 spots for cheap, some of these like late-round picks are going to be worth it when you think about guys like Chris Boyd who became a, a really good special teams player for you. Um, that's the goal. Like If you can find some, some J-Ron curses, some diamonds in the rough like that, but in the second round, if they could trade that 23 to somebody who wants to move up into the first round and they really want a guy and they see all these other cornerbacks that they like, Kobe Trice out of Purdue, 6'3", DJ Turner out of Michigan, 5'11". Uh, and I'm talking about these are, these are like Big Ten football guys. Are, are like They go at it. Think about Benjamin St. Juiced, third-round pick, ended up being really good starting for the Washington Commanders. That's the kind of stuff you can find in this uh, second to fourth round. And that's why if I'm the Vikings and there's somebody willing to give up a second and a third for a first – I'm doing it or a second a fourth and a sixth for a first I'm doing it and that's that's why I'm not opposed to them trading out of the first round uh, it would ruin our draft party day because we that's that's the only reason we're using <laughs> stadium that's the only reason we're on TV but at the end of the day it's not about us it's not about our party it's not about our draft show so that's just my thoughts want to Sam
1: I don't know what do you think so I'm looking at this chart and it's a it's a great chart I would recommend checking out Bill Barnwell espn.com he does clarify the purdy thing. So he broke down the 10 most prominent starters for each playoff organization, and he clarifies that Brock Purdy was more of a fallback plan because of injuries. He was not one of their 10 most prominent starters. Um, Mm. So he did account for that. Um, I look at this chart, and I see that at running back, at wide receiver, at tight end, at guard, linebacker cornerback, and safety. So was that seven positions I just rattled off, Ron? The best way to find those starters is the middle rounds of the draft, two through four. Yeah, Day two, early day three, that's where you get three picks, sometimes four picks. You've got a chance to find starting caliber players. And I think Quasi kind of used this philosophy last year, Ron. He's looking for picks in the top 100. That's always kind of that magic number. I know the Browns were really into that philosophy when they were trying to build their team just getting players in those first handful of rounds that might have starting capabilities um and the numbers bear that out it's great to visualize and see on this chart there's only a couple positions where you really need to go after them in the first round edge rusher quarterback and tackle Mm -hmm. otherwise you can wait on some of these positions until day two maybe early day three Well, talk about a team
0: that's got to make some big-time draft picks. That's the Houston Texans. And we have Eric Murray coming up on the Hang of the Ron Johnson segment, former Gopher, current Houston Texans DB. But before we do that, remember, people, we are a proud partner with Care 11. Just go to care11.com backslash locked on to see all of our videos, and you can get all of our shows. And we also have a word from our
1: sponsors. We are brought to you today by FanDuel Sportsbook. It's the official sportsbook of Locked On, the NBA play-in. Is here. The Lakers were favored by seven at last check over the Wolves. The playoffs are right around the corner. NHL playoffs are headed your way as well. And Major League Baseball's underway. Good time to get in the action at FanDuel. New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, download the safe, secure FanDuel Sportsbook app. Bet on everything from the money line to point scorers to three-pointers drained in the NBA play-in tonight. FanDuel lets you combine your bets within the same game for a big payout in the same game parlays. No sweat first bet for new customers up to $1,000 back in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Well,
0: Eric, I want to thank you for joining me on the Hangar with Ron Johnson segment um let's jump into this man like you were one like the Gophers football program when you think about Damian Wilson Devondre Campbell uh Eric Body Calhoun or uh uh, Brian Body Calhoun and then you got yourself Eric Murray like there was a span and it's still kind of going but there was a span where like defensive guys were just pick after pick going to the NFL uh what was it like man playing with that many nfl caliber guys in college um
2: it was really a a a blessing in disguise because i really didn't know at the time that everybody would be so successful in the nfl i think at the time really um the biggest person we talked about was rasheed Hegman because you know physically he was just so you know daunting and and athletic um and most of us um besides devondre weren't you know really the biggest guys but we played good football And we just had a good staff around us, Um, Coach Clays, um, Jay Sauvell and that staff and all those guys just did a really good job of coaching us on defense and making sure we understood the game behind it. Um, And we didn't just rely on our athletic ability out there. We actually understood football, and uh, I think that was the biggest key to help utilize our athleticism.
0: And right now in the college football world, we all know what's going on. You got the the combine and then you got the draft coming up. Uh, you got meetings with coaches. You got teams asking to meet with you. You got, uh, you know, college bowl games as far as senior bowl, shrine and all that. When you look back on your time, you know, you were fourth round draft pick, uh, ended up with the Chiefs. When you think about that time, though, like all that time in between, because the season pretty much ends in December. Yeah. And then you have all of this time up until the draft in April to just work out and stay healthy and stay out of trouble. Because, you know, we saw George's uh, yeah. defensive tackle and what he's going through uh, and just dumb stuff, racing the car. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. things that the guy's probably like, man, let me just chill out and do nothing until I get drafted. So I don't want get hurt, kill myself or hurt somebody else. Uh, what was that process like for you? Um, so
2: my process, I started out, I had went to Arizona. So I trained in Arizona for my time during the combine, went to Fisher Sports. Um, and it's like I c it's a lonely feeling because mainly um you gotta think about it. You a you a kid coming out of school and you kinda coming into a grown man's league and business, right? So you gotta um uh, try to navigate all these avenues of being alone. Um, your schedule isn't as regimented as it would be in college. You're not going to classes. You're not doing things like that. Um, so you really, for the most part, you by yourself in a place that you've never really been at. Um, I think for me, what helped me is I've always been kind of like a hermit crab and just um, <laughs> being a, I grew up only child. So like, I've always been by myself most of the time. And it wasn't as daunting for me because I have my video game and that's all I ever had was my family, my video games and football. So um, I think that helped me out a lot. Uh, And then along the way, um, I had a story with, uh, cause Coach Clay and them came down to the Senior Bowl and um, I had like a rough practice, one of the Senior Bowl practices and just hearing him give me words and encouragement um, and just to even be there, it gave me a lot of uh, focus and it actually um, helped me in the long run. And I think, you know, just having people around you who you can lean on during those times um, will will help. And on top of the fact that I was still trying to graduate, so I was taking online classes. So I was doing a lot during that time too. So it wasn't really hard for me to stay
0: focused. Man, that's a a lot, trying to graduate and try to still get your training in, do all your stuff. Uh, But clearly a testament, because you know drafted to the to the uh Chiefs and now still playing for the Texans mm-hmm. uh when you but you, you made a comment about coach Kill and having that voice there and just kind of like reassure you like hey man I'm 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 that guy I'm good I got this um when you think about coach Clay's and leaving and mm-hmm. then um or sorry Kill coach Kill coaching and then leaving and then Clay's taking over um what what was the tough part about when Jerry Kill kind of let you guys know you know, he just physically, emotionally, and health-wise couldn't do it anymore.
2: Um, I think it's the fact that he wanted to do it, but he just he just couldn't, and he had to, you know, kind of make that sacrifice for his family, um, and his life at that point. So, uh, the good thing about it was Coach Clay's took over, so it was kind of like a seamless transition because it was somebody we were all familiar with, and mm-hmm. I uh, think most people don't get that luxury of having a transition like that. It's a completely new coach. It's a completely new staff. And um, we didn't have to suffer through that. Um, so that was, that was good, but just the emotional part of it. I remember it was a very emotional day when he, um, he retired, everybody was in the room crying. It was, it was just sad to see because he was such a person. He was so good to all of us. And um, for it to, to happen that way, um, you know, it's just unusual. It's just a, a sad circumstance of life sometimes and how it rears its ugly head time and time again. So,
0: yeah. And when you had to, I mean, cause you, when you think back to like you, your decision to go to the NFL was not really your decision. It's like, I'm going to the NFL, whether they take me, uh, or no, sorry, it's their decision. If they take me, they take me. If they don't, I got to figure this out. But high school, uh, you know, and then choosing a college and all that kind of stuff, you had a choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, wh- why did you choose Minnesota over other schools?
2: Well, I mean, Minnesota was the only the only offer I had. Um, oh, okay. I was receiving some interest, you know, just like everybody else in, in high school, but it wasn't anything concrete that you can really, you know, hang your hat on. Um, so I had went to a bunch of senior one days that summer, and Minnesota was my third one. I went to uh, I went to Northern Illinois and I went to Central Michigan. And, uh, you know, the review, they was mixed reviews. Like, they didn't really know what position I would play. Um, and then I ended up going to Minnesota uh, for the one day. And I actually went as a wide receiver, um, tried out. And they kind of like liked me. And they knew I was athletic. But then they called me over to the defensive side of the ball. And that's really when things changed. And that whole staff, um, you know, they seen my my whatever tools I had at a, at a young age uh, to play DB. And it was just a testament to their scouting. And then um, saw they brought me back to do another one day to actually tackle because they didn't know if I could tackle because, like I said, I was a wide receiver. (laughs) (laughs) And I came in and I I passed that test. So they offered me after that point. So, um, you know, they picked me and rolled me. So I I told them and I made my commitment that I wouldn't, you know, switch up and do anything like that. So that's really how it happened. It's crazy how it happened.
0: Yeah, and when you talk about going from receiver to DB, like I had a chance to sit down with uh, Trayvon Diggs when his brother Stefan played for the it Vikings. Did. And uh, at that time, Trayvon was a receiver because we were joking around about that. And then he moved to DB, I think, that year, uh, which was like right around the Minneapolis miracle year for the Vikings. And uh, the one thing I asked Trayvon, I'm like, you know, what? what was the biggest or hardest transition? And he actually said, you know, like being a receiver, being able to catch – understanding routes it made it easier when coach Mm -hmm. saban just said look i think you have a better opportunity at corner which saban was right like the kid was a a top draft pick now he's one of the best corners in the nfl uh did you have that same type of feeling like playing receiver and then going to db it's like i understand what a receiver is going to do and also i can catch the ball so if it's coming Mm -hmm. my way i'm taking it how did how did that transition work for you
2: um yeah i understood the concept so it definitely did help um i think it just helps for me right now, even with my versatility, I've been able to play in like multiple spots in the back end um, just to understand uh, three receiver sets or two receiver sets or what a, a receiver does when he's just at the X. I think um, it helps eliminate routes and it it gives you more. Uh, it gives you the ability to play faster when you yeah. when you know what's going on and what you're looking at. So
0: and we're sitting here with uh, Eric Murray, former gophers db he's also now houston texans db as well play for the chiefs play for the browns uh again eric murray and this episode is brought to you by fanduel sportsbook the official sportsbook of locked on go to fanduel.com backslash locked on to get started to make every moment more we know the ncaa tournament is going on those parlays crazy make mm-hmm. sure you jump on there and check it out uh eric when you think about uh, the time you spent in Minnesota and then you transitioned to the NFL, what? Because I know brick by brick was kind of, you know, what you guys kind of built upon at, at Minnesota, but, but how did that college atmosphere help you transition into the NFL?
2: Um, it kind of like what you said, it was brick by brick, and we wanted to bring the program back to prominence. So you had a lot of people working um, as hard as they could to do that uh, from the strength staff to the coaching staff, even, you know, with the players that we brought into. like, um, I know Devondre and and Damien and even bringing a lot of those guys were, uh, juco guys. So they were like, you know, hard nosed, didn't really have a lot. So coming to a big program where we were fighting to get a lot, um, that was the, the common thread from, from all of us, you know? So it, when I look back on it, we had really good people around some of the strength staff we had during that time. Um I think he's the head trainer of the San Francisco 49ers right now, Dustin Perry. Like we had, we just had really good people in a good group and it all came together because we all wanted the same thing. And um it was just a beautiful thing, really. Um And it's just, it goes to show you how important uh, good people are um, to, to success.
0: Yeah, and, and when you talk about success, um, you you were part of a, a crazy game this year. The Houston Texans played the Chicago Bears. Okay. And all the Houston Texans had to do with Lovey Smith was lose the game and mm-hmm. they get the number one overall pick. And I'm pretty sure you guys knew that in the locker room. I'm pretty sure you guys saw it all over the media and yeah, lovey the, uh,
2: the
0: Colts. Yeah, <laughs> oh sorry, Colts. Uh yeah. um, right, yeah, no so if you lose to the coach, you give the first round pick mm-hmm. or sorry, you you take the first round pick from the Bears uh but you beat the Colts and yep. then the Bears end up getting the first overall pick. But as a player, it doesn't matter. I've been in those type of locker yeah. rooms. It doesn't matter. Like we don't think about what the what the GM and the owners care about. It's about look, I'm going to go out here cuz I got to put on film what the next team might see or a team that might want to trade for me or whatever. If I get cut, I need to have film. Mm -hmm. Um, What was that mindset like going into that coach game uh, and knowing that, you know, this probably Lovey's last game as well. And that, you know, they were going to be looking for a new head coach. Um,
2: Like you said, as a player, you are really going out there, try to, um, your film is your resume. So you're trying to put the best thing you can on tape uh, and just to make sure that, Regardless if it's the first game or the last game, teams know that um, you play a a competitive brand of ball. Um, So, from that standpoint, that never really changed. I guess going into the game for for Lovey and as a staff, we just everybody wanted to go out the right 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 way, and I was like what he preached um, his whole life. Like he's a good dude, very good coach. he just a wholesome guy like from big Sandy, Texas. So like everything in him loves football and Mm -hmm. always was geared towards winning. So I knew um, from his personality and then just in general, like he would never preach a message of, oh, we need to lose to, you know, get the number one pick and blah, blah, blah. Like that would never be on his docket because that just never was the type of man he, he is and never was so um you know the message for that general week was go out there and finish strong and um you know the team will never be the same after that so um that's what we did and you know the outcome was the outcome so um that just is what it is
0: yeah when you think about D'Amico Ryan's coming in everybody's excited uh, just the one, the African American community. Period. When you think about how many African American head coaches in the past, uh, like Tony Dungy's book, talks about how he got overlooked time and time again until the Tampa Bay Buccaneers gave him a chance. Uh, you look at guys like Eric Bieniemy, still uh, fighting that fight of, of just trying to figure it out. But D'Amico Ryan's very smart, uh, very uh, hard nosed defensive guy uh knowing you have a defensive head coach like that coming in who has a Brian Flores type of mentality, aggressive mentality. You look at the 49ers defenses uh in the in the things they've done. Um what what is it uh or what kind of hope or excitement do you have around Demico Ryan's now being there in Texas well with the Texans?
2: Um his energy is contagious, that's for one, even though I haven't met him yet, but um uh, just looking at the videos and seeing the atmosphere around uh the facility and stuff like that is energy is crazy but um just have a defensive side defensive scheme coach is just being able to dictate what the offense does rather than what the offense dictates to you is um that's huge and um being able to confuse somebody and, and rush them and make them get rid of the ball and make rash decisions is i mean that's what creates turnovers and that's what creates big plays on the defensive side so uh, being able to put people in the right position to do that uh, is just going to equal more points um, and get the ball back even more for the offense.
0: And when you go back to your, uh, you know, childhood again, you talked about playing receiver. Was there ever a time uh, where you really just felt like, I don't I don't know if this football thing is going to like turn in anything. I don't know if I want to keep doing it because I've, I've talked to a lot of dads, you know, like Nate Burleson, who his sons, uh, some play basketball, some play football, Josh Harris, his sons going to Bowling Green really good basketball player i think 6'4" six, 6'5" six, but he's going to stick with football uh but then javen hunter uh dad of jaden ivy uh plays with the detroit pistons he played with me with the baltimore ravens and he was on our show this week and in, in uh, or sorry uh, a couple weeks ago and he brought up that Jaden Ivy gave up football in the 8th grade cuz he's like look I, I this is not for me like i don't want to take the hits i don't you know in a 6'3" playing receiver Six three six four. He probably could have been a really good athletic receiver uh, in college football. Who knows? Past that, but he he chose basketball and now's in the NBA. Was there ever a time where you felt that crossroad? You like, man, I don't, I don't really know. Football is my thing. Um,
2: I mean, I I think for me, I, I never really felt that because I always had like a a, a childlike joy for football. Like, yeah, I just love to play in general. Like, I don't really care what it is. Like I told you, I love video games. I love mm-hmm. just the challenge of playing and understanding a game and trying to learn a game. So I never had that because it was, it was always just so fun to me. And it just, yeah, you're going you gonna to experience some hardships and be like, man, I don't know if I want to wake up at 6am and go work out and do X, Y, Z. Um, but it never, it never wavered my confidence in, in, in the direction I was going. So I'm i I'm a little opposite in that aspect, but you know, you still have your hard times.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and you grew up in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, mm-hmm. So you you probably grew up watching the Green Bay Packers. Uh, when you think about Aaron Rodgers, and we're not mm-hmm. going to talk Aaron Rodgers football, Aaron Rodgers. We're going to talk about Aaron Rodgers off the field. And you said you were you're a hermit crab. Uh, you are an only child. Uh, how long do you think? So Aaron Rodgers, I know you heard about the retreat, the darkness mm-hmm. retreat he went on. Uh, he was supposed to stay in there for four days. Uh, because what i've heard is the first day is like sleep you're like all right darkness okay. no tv i'm just gonna sleep because there's nothing else to do i'm super bored uh the next day people kind of sit there they they meditate pray think and just let their thoughts come and see what happens mm-hmm. uh the next day after that you might get loopy you might get euphoric you might go crazy like who knows Aaron Rodgers lasted about a day and a half, they said. They okay. said after about a day and a half, he was like, "All right, this is enough darkness for me." Like, I can't. It's a three hundred square foot room. Uh, Nice looking room, though. I saw pictures of it. it has a bed, yeah. has a mat. You know, you had candles. You got that's
2: a a, of, a little tub. A little, uh, like prison, a little bit. kind of
0: Yeah, like it's a little prison, <laughs> but you know, you got <laughs> you got the windows, the snow, the mountains. But yeah, it's, it's like a it's a nice prison. Okay. Uh, I, I think if you had a mate, like a wife or a girlfriend, it probably would go a little bit better. Uh, but he's by himself, but for you being a hermit crab, no video games, no nothing. How long do you think you would have lasted in that room?
2: <sighs> um, I probably wouldn't have been in the room. I just would have been outside <laughs> if he said, you, you know, you said it got nice mountains and nice scenery or something like that. I, I, I definitely would have spent, I would have said I was in a dark room and just been outside.
1: <laughs>
2: so, uh, I think he kind of messed it up by broadcasting it. So, you know, true. He put a lot of pressure on himself. So at that point, the wellness part of it, the, uh, I guess, soul surgeon part of it, he kind of messed it up. He let too many people in, uh, in on his uh, his thing. So.
0: Yeah, yeah, because he's saying now, you know, after a day and a half, he has his answers. Yeah. He knows what he wants to do with the NFL, whether it's going to be comeback for a 19th season, which is absolutely crazy for somebody to play that long mm-hmm. uh, or, re- or uh, retire or get traded. Who knows? Right. Like he hasn't really decided, but he claims he has a timeline. He's on the Pat McAfee show, and he bought that up. Uh, but Eric, when you when you think about your time in the NFL, and, and you're going to look back on your career, let's just say ten years, fifteen years from now, and because uh, I, I love to get like we had Mel Blunt on, former Pittsburgh Steeler, Hall of mm-hmm. Famer, four-time Super Bowl champ, and he kind of you know told his story. We had Ryan Clark on, uh, ESPN analyst, played for the Steelers as well, Super Bowl champion, and he kind of gave his like. What was Tommy Harris, former Bear? Uh, mm-hmm. same deal. I love to I love to 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 think what players think, and those guys are done, but you're still yeah. in it, and you're still in it. I didn't and like I didn't ask Adam, I think Alan Thielen, I don't care, remember what Adam Thielen said, but I didn't ask Adam Thielen that type of question just because we were in season at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh but when you when you look back on your career, uh and you're let's say 15 years from now, what what do you want people to remember Eric Murray for? Um,
2: my type of work ethic and what I brought every day. Um no matter uh, what type of talent level you have, uh, the work never changes and the process never changes. So as long as you am in love with your process and uh, what you do day to day, I think I can go to sleep at night and look myself in the mirror every day on uh, the type of product that I put out there and the type of brand of football that I've always advertised myself as. Um, and just being a good person and letting that shine through um, when I'm on the field and um, taking my relationships that I build with the people on the field and even in a locker room and just cherishing all of those and letting people know that I was a genuine person through it all. So um I think that's the biggest takeaway I want people to have on me. And um yeah, I can live with that.
0: And, and I know you're like I I I've been peeping you out a little bit. I know you're like a fashion guy. You you got your, you know, I see there's the swag on the field. Uh how much time and energy, especially like now in the offseason, do you mm-hmm. put into like You know, whether it's hoodies, whether it's, you know, different clothes, uh, all that kind of like, how much time and energy do you put into that now? Um,
2: I don't put a ton into it. I just mainly put most of my time into my kids. I I work with a really good, uh, stylist, his name, out of L.A. Um, that's my guy. He's from Philly, but, um, he, he do a good job of getting me together. And he really brought me into the fashion world. And, and I, I had, um, I got a good eye for, I know what to look for, but he, he, he kind of helped enhance it and, and just cause he does it every day. I don't really do it every day. So um, he, he does a good job. He helps me out. So I, I do, I do the best I can. Man. That's all. That's all.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and so, cause I, I love like the fashion thing and, and, and I'm not going to make this about light skin versus dark skin. Dudes, yeah. Cause I know that becomes a thing, but I know <laughs> you've seen Kuzma. And uh Dylan Brooks recently. Yeah, like Dylan, Dylan Brooks, Brooks was dressed like uh uh was it Steve Austin? He had the leather yeah, vest type deal yeah. with the no shirt and the, the jorts, and then you had Kuzma who had on I don't know what that sweatsuit was, but it looked like a puffer fish that hadn't puffed mm-hmm. up yet, but it was silver. Um how would you like would you ever do the Dylan Brooks looks like the nah. the, the sheer shirts and all that? Like
2: <laughs> Dylan Brooks, he I don't know. He, I feel like he was I don't know who told him to wear that, but he shouldn't wear that anymore. If you're going to do the sheer shirts or something like that, you got to pull a, pull a page from like D Wade or something like D Wade can pull it off. But right, a lot of people, it's not for them. They skin tone don't match it. Just don't even try it. So yeah, I wouldn't have did that one. I think Kuzma to some degree, he too involved in the fashion world. He wearing, he wearing stuff. We really don't even know what it is yet. Like it's, it's too it's too good we don't even know what it is
0: yet so right because when i saw the sweatsuit i had to think back i'm like man when i was coming out like we had the sean john we had the food yeah. we had the big fat albert you know we had the nba patches on the jackets we had the nascar jack so i'm like i can't really get mad at the sweat i, I can't do the shirtless vest thing i'm like no i can't yeah. do that yeah. but oh, unless it's a suit like if you go shirtless with a suit it's one mm-hmm. thing, but the jeans, shorts with the like just it just, the regular gym shoes, like it just it wasn't
2: put together very well. It wasn't yeah. It was, I don't know. I
0: don't, I don't know. yeah, I don't know what he was Why doing he either. But uh when you when you <laughs> but when you think about uh just today's NFL and like you said, you know, like you have a team of people uh that get you together and you have a, a team of people, how important is it to have that team of people around you?
2: Man, it's so important. Even just uh it, it helps take your mind off certain things and help you really focus on the game. And uh what's really important and like people say, keep the main thing the main thing, like having mm-hmm. a team around you who who able to take on those responsibilities definitely helps that, whether it be from a, a strength and conditioning standpoint, a recovery standpoint, um, your coaches, um, your family, all of that, you need people in your life to help you um get through the things that you need to to do and the support is uh is huge just to success like like nfl is about people in teams your life is about people in teams and if you don't got the right people around you you're not going to be successful plain and simple
0: and uh two more before we get out of here this is eric murray uh current houston texan uh former minnesota golden gopher db uh Everybody saw that. Shannon Sharp at the at the mm-hmm. Memphis Grizzlies game, Lakers. He's a big LeBron fan. Uh, was just trying to have fun. Uh, Dylan Brooks took it too far. Then all of a sudden, the whole team rushes over. Uh, but when you think about situations like that, uh, where all of a sudden, uh, whether it's tempers flare, whatever it might be, like, are you a fan of a of basketball or any other sport like that, where you get? I mean, other than like video games, where I guess it could be a FIFA video game tournament. Uh, that you're that passionate about outside of football.
2: I mean, I'm a big basketball fan, just like okay, you know, like anybody else. So, anytime, uh, any sports moment, uh, or anything that happened prominent in sports, where I feel like as a competitor, it's kind of hard not to get your juices flowing a little bit. Um, I wrestled. I wrestled in high school. I did uh, baseball. Ran track. So. Like I said, any big moment in sports, I'm juiced for it because I'm just a fan of all sports. Because I, I just I played all sports. I did my that was kind of what I did in the Midwest. You know, it's not hot all the time. All the southern right. boys can go do what all they want and <laughs> every all day. But so I had to do other things. But I just you know love sports in general.
0: And when you think about. <laughs> And you said something about, like, like. did you hoop, though? Because you said, like, because. Man,
2: you know what? I played basketball until the eighth grade. And I okay. knew when I walked off that court in the eighth grade, that was going to be my last basketball game.
1: Okay. It just,
2: <laughs> I couldn't, I didn't have pace. I didn't understand, like, anything like that. Um, I could probably, I can slice to the basket. I was athletic, but I'll be running too fast and I'll miss the layup. <laughs> you know stuff like that like i didn't understand the finesse of basketball ga- basketball i just knew i was athletic and more athletic than a lot of people i was going to dribble real fast and
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: treat the layup when i got there so i was uh that's that's i never developed it it just wasn't for me that's why i went to football
0: <laughs> see at that moment too you should have known you were a db cuz when yeah. it comes to basketball like receivers i'm pretty sure guys on your team to play receiver that's that's what they want to do is go hoop whenever they can. Mm-hmm. Uh, but most DBs, like I've 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 seen I play with Trey Wayne's uh and Stefan Diggs at Lifetime Fitness up here in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Trey Wayne's is terrible, like <laughs> Stefan Diggs can hoop. Trey Wayne's yeah. is horrible, yeah. and it's so funny to hear like Xavier Rose, some of his teammates talk about him trying to hoop. Like he is horrible. I mean, I'm pretty sure you're more athletic because you play a receiver, so you're more athletic. Mm-hmm. that dude is literally just a cornerback like he cannot yeah. hoop so that's our big joke like Darius Butler came on the show and of course he can hoop for a DB so I'll give him mm-hmm. that he's he's an outlier Deion Sanders is an outlier uh so there are athletes out there that play DB that can hoop but nine times out of 10 you're like your running backs are going to be pretty terrible <laughs> and your DBs linebackers DNs I don't know offensive linemen are usually pretty good but you know that that basketball world like Justin Jefferson we had him and he uh I made him pick a top five players in the locker room that he would put on his team. And it was hilarious because none mm-hmm. of the DBs got picked. And he didn't even pick Adam Thielen. Yeah. Like that's his guy. And he didn't even pick Adam Thielen to hoop with him. So uh when you when you said going too fast, like I just thought about Trey Wayne's because I'm like, that's him like super athletic, <laughs> can run like the wind, but same thing, I think that maybe is part of it, like misses layups, just like grabs rebounds pace. and just flies out of bounds. Like just, just you, gotta, you gotta have rhythm. that pace.
2: You gotta understand. Yeah. Or you just I don't know, just like Jokic, <laughs> like that's what make Jokic so effective. He just understand pace and he knows
0: basketball. So yeah, he plays his you own. You don't speed. have to be
2: super athletic. You just have to know those things. So, mm.
0: well, last one before we get out of here, uh, I always like to let the uh, the, the players or guests, whoever, uh, give a a time capsule. So if you know what time capsules are, uh, people in like I think Franco Harris. And Frenchie Fouqua, who were part of the uh, the Immaculate wow. reception of the Pittsburgh Steelers, because uh, my dad played with them and and they talked about it at my dad's funeral of like, man, when we die, we're gonna let people open our time capsule to tell the truth if if I touched the ball or not, and if that was a legal touchdown by the Steelers beating the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you had a time capsule and you could put it in, you know, into the earth and and like you could put it back in the future, even to give it to yourself, like Michael yeah. J. Fox, and you could help yourself in the future. Uh, whether it's eight-year-old Eric, whether it's 12-year-old, 15, 25-year-old Eric, what would you go back and tell your younger self to help yourself in the future?
2: Um, I would tell myself to enjoy all the moments, whether they're good or bad. Um, mm-hmm. The thing about them is they're all fleeting. Uh, so just to enjoy every piece of anything, any experience and the people around you, um, because it's people that, in the past was with me that ain't with me no more so yeah um just cherish those moments and, and really understand how life ebbs and flows and um that's that's really what i would tell myself to keep myself on the straight and narrow so i don't you know get too high or get too low
0: well coming up next me and sam are going to do a little what's in the fridge are you going to eat it keep it or throw it away we know what that game is And before we get out of here, make sure you remember, you can now find Locked On Sports Minnesota on Amazon Fire and Roku. Just download the Locked On Sports Minnesota app where you get all your favorite shows. And we are a proud partner with NBC's local Care 11. You can go to care11.com backslash locked on to find all of our videos and all of our shows. Well, yeah, Sam, it's time to play a little what's in the freeze. That's some great stuff from Eric Murray and the Houston Texans. I'm looking forward to seeing what they draft because they got to get everything. And uh, quarterback, is that going to be their way to go? Defense, how does he – how does D'Amico Ryan start to form his defense? Because it's going to – like, I think him and Brian Flores, like I really want to see what these defenses end up doing. Uh, But we're going to play a little what's in the fridge, people, and that's basically I'm going to eat one, uh, keep one, store one, basically, or throw one away. And so, Sam – uh, I, you know, I'm looking at this Jimmy Butler uh, comment, I guess, uh, from his interview or his presser. So we're going to talk about that Friday, too, people. So stick around for that because we're going to dig in this more. But Jimmy Butler basically said they asked him about Minnesota. And if his 2018 team, when he was there, would they have been able to beat this number one seed? Nuggets because, as I've, I've said this all season, that this this is an up and down season. Like anybody can beat anybody. And they're asking Jimmy Butler. And he was like, you're going to ask me of all places, Minnesota. I don't even remember my time there. So we'll talk about that.
1: I think he's he been only petty. here like 3 days. I mean. Yeah. He's been a
0: little petty though too. You yeah. know how he is. But, you know, he and and again, and then somebody's like, "Oh, Minnesota's having a rough week. Jimmy Butler doesn't mean remember being there and Rudy Gobert's punching his teammates and he's not playing Jade McDaniels breaks his hand." You know, whatever. Like <laughs> it is what it is, people. <laughs> uh but let's start there, Sam. Let's play a little what's in the fridge. I know you had a Timberwolves one.
1: I do. I do. Um, Timberwolves, Lakers play in tonight. Jaden McDaniels is out and Rudy Gobert's out by the way as well. Rudy Gobert has been suspended for this game. So mm-hmm. we'll see how the Wolves proceed at the center position, but I want to focus on the McDaniels position. So I've got three names on the Wolves roster. Who is going to fill the void left by Jaden McDaniels? So not, not necessarily Ron, who's going to start, but who mm-hmm. is just going to play those minutes and fill that role as the, the perimeter defender, the energy guy, a little bit of scoring on the other end. So here are the three names. Kyle Anderson, mm-hmm. Slomo, Torian Prince, or the new guy, Nikhil Alexander Walker, or as uh, some people like to call him, Nah. Of those three, eating one, storing one, throwing one away.
0: Man, well, I'm going to throw Nikhil Alexander Walker away. Just, I mean... Just looking at production wise, uh, I'm torn between Torian Prince and Kyle and, and Kyle uh, Anderson. And this is why Torian Prince—you remember when he had a chance to play—he actually had some good games. Like he he balled out a little bit, um, and and so that's where I'm I'm stuck in this one. Um, but from a power forward standpoint, uh, energy guy being able to be in there and get those rebounds, Kyle Anderson more of a facilitator. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna eat. I'm gonna put a lot of weight on Torian Prince. Like that's going to be my meal. Uh, and then I'm going to store Kyle Anderson. I think he can come off the bench. I think he can be a, a glue guy. I think he can, you know, clearly he's a guy that wants to talk to the team and get them excited and going. I mean, he's willing to take punches for the team to win games. Cause that's the punch that won the game. Like he took the punch for the team and uh, the team got energized. And so sometimes it does take that I, I Wish it would just been an argument versus a punch uh cuz then they might be in a better position maybe uh you know after that Jaden McDaniels doesn't punch the wall i mean who knows like it, it but yeah that's that's where i'm going i think Torian Prince i've, I've like I, i've talked before I, like we've seen him go off in games and have really good games and so i think he has to be able to step up alongside cat and uh really put his stamp on Uh, that game and help out because what you don't want is cat ended up in foul trouble. Um, Also think Torian Prince because uh, Anthony Davis moves a lot more. I think you got to put Torian Prince on Anthony Davis. I don't know if you want to waste Carl Anthony towns on him even though they both play kind of the same game up top, they both shoot threes. Uh, they both ro- you know, roam the perimeter. They're not like, you know, Anthony Davis isn't like a bruiser banger. So so maybe it does work out that way where they end up guarding each other. But I'd rather see somebody like Torian Prince waste a couple fouls on Anthony Davis because you get him kind of bumped and bruised. It's playoff basketball now. Um, I don't think you get the same production out of them, and then you end up in that seventh seed. But that's just me.
1: Yeah, I'm going to flip – your last two. Uh and I like Nikhil Alexander Walker, but like you, I'm probably gonna have to throw him away, even though I think he's gonna have a role tonight. I think mm-hmm. that's someone that could actually light a, a fuse off the bench. Uh, I think that Kyle Anderson's prowess on the defensive end is mm-hmm. gonna help replace what you lose in Jaden McDaniels. I don't know if he's manning up against LeBron, but uh he might they might mix things up. You know, when you're facing LeBron, you gotta give him new looks. I think that. Edwards will get a run against LeBron. I think that Anderson will get some run against LeBron and maybe even Prince as well because it's exhausting to guard that guy. So you got to get fresh legs out there. And I think that Kyle Anderson is the closest thing they had to Jaden McDaniels. But from an offensive standpoint, I think that Prince gives you a little bit of that outside shooting. So I'm comfortable with Anderson and Prince getting those minutes. Uh, We saw Prince hang, what, 35 points at Madison Square Garden last month. So he has it in him. Ah, uh, this is a huge stage, and I can't wait to see how the Wolves rise to the challenge. I'm at even though they're they're undermanned. Ron, no Nas, no Jaden, no no Gobert. I'm kind of excited to see how they how they mesh tonight when uh, Edwards is forced to be the star. Cat is forced to be the star. They how will they uh, rise to the challenge? I'm excited.
0: Yeah, well, I'm excited too. They have the Lakers playing game tonight, and so we'll we'll break that down in its totality tomorrow. Whether they are the seventh seed and they have somebody jump on the scores table like Pat Bev, and they just get super excited about it. Uh, I, I do like the what's in the fridge game. So tomorrow we might have to do a little bit more. We we'll have to. We'll maybe have to throw in this quarterback when we talked about. We'll save that one for tomorrow uh, with the quarterbacks in the fridge. Also, uh, draft picks. We'll have to maybe do that. Like, do you like cornerback? Uh, D tackle and an interior lineman eat one store one throw one away like we'll, we'll both do that one because I want to see what your thoughts are on that for the Vikings if they do or maybe trade back uh, trade up or who knows I mean I don't know miss mm-hmm. the pick I mean we're not saying that people you know people are still mad about that one it's happened before
1: <laughs> yeah 20 years ago I think it's the anniversary of the miss the pick
0: it happens it happens um but that's why i'm guessing the 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 nfl has changed the rules now where owners and gms are able to draft early turn their draft in and now we're just seeing it you know 20 minutes later on espn so that you're not missing uh because you know not to not to pull the curtain back people but that 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 20 that that clock we're seeing now unless a gm is just absolutely inept you, you can't miss it anymore because you can actually turn in – like the first-round pick is actually turned in like the morning of the draft. Like they if they know who they want, they're sending that in. They're like, hey, look, here's our pick. Here's They fax it over to the NFL so we're off the clock. Let somebody else know they can pick. And they start – the GMs get started. They start to go and they say, okay, who's next? Mm-hmm. Who's next? Give me all your picks. And then they have the picks unless a team wants to play that game because they want to hold off and try to trade. Um, so they want to let some of these picks come off the board – um, but other than that that's that it is what it is like that's the fun thing about the draft is they they tell you who's off the board and then you can you can make your pick early and they kind of roll through it so we're seeing a time delay but anyway we'll get into the draft they got two weeks before the nfl draft so it's gonna get fun gonna get exciting gonna get some 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 good football guys on to talk draft and we're gonna break down the Vikings draft a little bit more. Again, like I said, five picks. So my guess is trade back to get more draft capital cuz five picks doesn't seem like enough to make up your roster in the offseason. But again, the Timberwolves, Lakers. Let us know what you think. Who's going to win the game tonight? Like are the Lakers susceptible to lose because, you know, it is what it is. LeBron, these guys are older. Uh but playoff LeBron, I mean, the last 10 games, they've been on fire. 8 and 2 in the last 10. So It's not looking good for the Timberwolves with all the stuff going on behind the scenes. And like I said, Jimmy Butler's being petty already. So we're we're sure we'll break that down some point this week, if not Friday, on the roundtable for sure of Jimmy Butler's pettiness. And like Sam said, he's only a Timberwolf for three days. Sam, I want to thank you for joining me today on the Ron John Show. Great job, Eric Murray. uh, Appreciate you. And people, remember, you can subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota on YouTube on uh, Roku devices and, and like you can download the app and be a subscriber on there you can also anywhere you get your iTunes or your sorry your podcast iTunes, Spotify, iHeartMedia app please subscribe because that is what we love to see one it helps us know what's out there and it helps us grow uh, our audience so please continue to subscribe wherever you get your podcast Spotify, iTunes or iHeartMedia app for free we don't care just subscribe I want to thank you guys and have a great day